0: do it what's happening
1: hello (laughs) welcome to episode 56 of the therapy tales podcast with me dawn walton and
0: the non-professional
1: the non-professional
0: podcast where we just like start mid-talk and i go yeah let's do it let's do it yeah yeah yeah. i'm jessica Probst, professional canine behaviorist oh wow okay that that tells
1: you everything you need to know about today's podcast
0: we're professionals that have
1: fun, how about that? And I'm, I'm an expert multitasker. Okay, cool. At least we know where we stand. So we're having an interesting time just now, Jess. You want me to focus,
0: don't you? You want me to focus and stop doing Facebook things? People keep sending me stuff. When put it away now, look, it's going away.
1: My complete focus. <laughs> We were in a prison the other day, and we had to put the phones <laughs> in the locker and, and take the locker key and, <laughs> and the look on Jess's face when it was like, what, phone in the locker? We're not bringing the phones in with us. And, like, I've got to go in there without any phone at all, not even on silent or anything. It's, like, in the locker. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what did you think I was going to do? Take pictures of the place or something?
1: Well, you know, generally, prison's a place of security. So, yeah, taking phones in is... And um, the women don't have internet access, right?
0: I think I might have a problem with um, not having my phone on me. It's become like you wake up and that's the first thing you do. I don't like it, but I do like it. But I don't like it. So I
1: always have, um, I always find it really interesting because it's one of the things that people are very judgy about is using your phone. And I remember years and years ago when I used to travel with work, I used to spend most of my life in airports, train stations, hotel rooms. And it used to be a case of the only time you could get your internet access was if you paid for it in a hotel room or if you had like a a MiFi dongle or something like that, Um, which meant that you had all this dead time where you could do nothing. And then we got a contract to do tech support for the Palm Pilot and the the Palm Pilot upgraded to include mobile signal and that became the BlackBerry. And I had my first BlackBerry sitting in Schiphol Airport responding to emails. And it was awesome because it meant I didn't have to go home, dial in, and connect and get all my emails and do all my work out of hours. So it meant I was never out of the ability to respond to people. And I love that. And I love, and it's my choice to do that. But people are like, oh, you should put your phone down. Like, no, my phone liberated me. It meant I could do stuff. We can do more. Can't yeah, we? we
0: can get a lot done. Yeah, uh,
1: so I'm um, I'm a multitasker. I can't do one thing at a time. I'll get bored really easily. You know, I'm a level thirteen thousand plus on Candy Crush these days. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. In fact, my kid the other night came through. Is playing some dodgy ripoff version of Candy Crush and came through and went, Mum, I'm stuck on this level. I've been stuck on it for five days. Can you get me past it? Which I did, of course. So yeah, I um, I like that I can stay connected but some people I think maybe have to stay connected, and that's where it becomes different, right? Well, I, I mean, I
0: get constantly emergency, I mean, it's not even funny anymore, right? Like every three minutes, there's an emergency yeah. message about this dog. But today's one was really funny, I need to share it. Is that alright? I
1: oh, guess so. No names mentioned, it's fine. So, um,
0: recently adopted a few weeks ago a Labrador uh, who's an ex gun dog and it really likes to pick up things. It's really good at picking up things, including small dogs. <laughs> just about <to> spat <laughs> out my teeth.
1: We we'll are just sitting chatting <laughs> and just Laughing hysterically, and there was this this line of, "It likes to pick up things, including small dogs." <laughs> Just like, okay, that's saying something very different. But that's what people do, right? They say it nips or um, it's a bit grumpy, and, and it's
0: an absolute phenomenon that people's emotions for their dog completely overshadows and overtakes any other thing, so regardless if somebody else got hurt or the intention to harm or yep. scared. And last night at the class there was a German Shepherd that, that came along and she's been asking me for ages. She did a session with Michelle, She's come so far. She can now walk past dogs, but she wants to join the group. and I'm really reluctant, because this is going to sound really strange. I've been working with shepherds all of this week, but most shepherds, I don't want to join the group walks because they're, they have specific fixed actions. And unless you come along with a shepherd that's got a lot of early doors training, I know exactly what it's going to be doing. Yep. Its fixed actions are not pretty. So they are lunging, barking, intimidation and a lot of stress. And so it's stress with other dogs yeah, as well, yeah. and for me and for you and for everybody. So I want to I protect the dog, I want to protect the owner, we need to do so much work to get to the point. Anyway, the dog, the dog came to the class last night and she basically stood and watched us. So I went over a few times, so we are outside, I went over a few times and you know, I showed her what I was doing and she was like, I can't hear you, so I gave her some you know, instructions in her room. And, um, he was barking a lot, but she wasn't. She just didn't listen. So when I said, you know, if the dog's barking, take some time, turn away, you know, there's a whole park here, so just walk away, you know, the dogs come down, come back again. She just wanted to stand and watch and not really participate, which is fine, so people behave like that, and okay, it's weird that you're paying, but fine. And then on the walk after the class, we went for a walk together, everybody was off the lead, milling around, not really play. we don't really allow retrobunctures play, but you know, milling around and kind of interacting and being Cool. And she's gonna let the shepherd off. And I said, Well why don't you take the dog away from us and let it off a little bit over there? And she said to me, She's the dog's got fantastic recall, but it's not interesting the dogs. So she lets it off. What does the dog do? Comes bombing over to us, barking its head off, and right. I said to everybody, I and mean, we had a we had a good good fifteen seconds before it reached us, so everyone get your dogs down. Everyone did that. The dog then went, Oh, I don't have anything to do here, and then bugged off back to his owner again. So I went over to her and said, You know, we need to do a little bit more work, perhaps in a long line first, or like, there's no way she's going to get any collar—not in a million years, right? Yeah. She, she's got- so much basic stuff to do first. Yeah. Um, and she was "Oh, he's friendly. He's fine. He's got, you know, he's <laughs> a good people." Like, yeah, but he's intimidating. And my puppy screamed and ran from him because yeah. he scared her. Did you see that? And she looked at me with, like, she almost winced her eyes, like she was going, "You're wrong. My yeah. dog would never do that." And she yeah. was, was a bit angry about it. Yeah, him. yeah. Um, and then I'm equally angry because my puppy is like three inches high, right? Yeah. And um, yeah, she can cope with it because she's dealt with a lot in her five months. But that's not fair. I don't want anybody to be stressed by anybody's dog. No. So, yeah, we're at, we're at loggerheads there because she's not seeing what I see. Yes. But then I'm the professional, so she better listen.
1: Yes. So <laughs> um, the phrase that has come up um, we'll, we'll talk uh, as we go through about the, the dog this week is the uh, Disney dogs. So we were talking Hollywood dogs, but actually I like Disney dogs better. Because Disney, um, the cartoon characters take, it's stereotypes, aren't they? They're stereotypes that take kind of key qualities. So a Disney dog, as well as usually having a voice, so we can kind of see them as a little person, has all the best qualities of a dog. And very human. But very human. All the human characteristics that make them an appealing character in a Disney film. So we all think that we're going to get a Disney dog, that we have a Disney dog. The and
0: to be heroes, don't they? they?
1: They do tend to be heroes, so we, we attribute um, goodwill and good intent to the dog. So if something bad happens, it's a good dog, it has good intent, it's an, a, a good character, so it's a Disney character, um, and something bad's just kind of got in the way of that. As opposed to, well, maybe my dog is the villain in a Disney cartoon or something like that, you know, and, and that would be horrible to think of. We'd hate to live with a villain, we wouldn't want to live with that.
0: So one of the, um, the names I wanted to give to the mentoring project that I'm doing for trainers was uh, It's a Good Dog Butt. Which is hilarious if you're a dog trainer, because we're always getting emails or, or messages that start with it's a good dog part. Don didn't think it was a good idea for the general public because they won't get it. But dog trainers absolutely will get this. So our our instinct is to say, you know, that the good dog part I think is the bond that we have, that the the connections yeah. there that we've you know, all these memories we've got together. Puppyhood is a huge bonding time, lots of oxytocin and we're not recognising there's a, a big change, there's a big shift that happens almost like the metamorphosis thing we were talking about yesterday yep. with the caterpillar into a butterfly they are completely different all of the same they're completely different yeah and there is a big change that happens yep. in adolescence
1: and of course we talked before about oxytocin and what it does it, it swells up your blood vessels which reduces your blood pressure so there's a physiological link and we've talked we've joked before about you can't be angry when you're carrying a puppy right it just isn't possible and and so many people on the walks they get a chance to cuddle a puppy and it just changes everything but it's a very physiological change oxytocin swells up your blood vessels reduces your blood pressure
0: and then of course reinforcing for us because we feel good yeah and the then it makes us physically it doesn't feel good.
1: really matter what the dog actually is There's no measure of personality. We now think we've got this amazing bond connection, and it's the dog's kind of a 50 50 part of that. It just happens to be a puppy, so it's just physiology, but we don't want to know that. So it loves me, you know, and it cuddles me, and it came to see me, and then it doesn't love me, and it doesn't cuddle me. What have I done wrong? I've upset it. So, um, My my husband, we know my husband's a feeder, we've talked about this before, right, he's a feeder. So um, my cats get food put down in the morning and um, my husband usually up before me and the other morning he was like, oh, the cats got really, I said, did you feed the cats? He went, yeah. I'm like, why? Because they were really anxious. I'm like, it was nine o'clock when I got up. They're not really anxious by nine o'clock, they kind of had food last night. He's like, all oh, right. I said, you don't need to feed them. I'll feed them when I get up. Okay. I
0: would like to know what anxious looks like to him.
1: Exactly. So this morning, so this morning we leveled up because like the day before yesterday was anxious and I corrected him on that. And then I come through this morning and he's like, the cats are disgusted with me. Like,
0: like <laughs> why are
1: the cats disgusted with you? Because I didn't feed them. So I go into the kitchen and one of the cat comes through and she's kind of milling around the food bowl, kind of going, she's not even talking, she's not even shouting or anything, she's just kind of going, oh, you know, what? you're probably going to feed me. And he goes, see, I'm like, what about that is disgusted? What, what attribute of this cat are you seeing is disgusted?
0: there's no food present. Because
1: I didn't feed her, so I'm interpreting that she's disgusted at me because there wasn't any food present.
0: Did you hear, when we went to the, into the prison, um, one of the women I was working with, so I was teaching them how to do a leave with the yes. the dog, the puppy, and she said to me, "Isn't that cruel?" Mm-hmm. And I had a moment of like, "What does she mean?" So I was I was teaching the dog to have a little bit of patience, uh, to not take the food straight away, and then to get the food when I say a certain word, like we could get it, or in my case, yes, right. And so her her take on it which is fascinating to me because i'm so far away from that non-dog owner or someone who's been institutionalized for how many years you know 24 years has yeah, yeah. been in for right so um i'm like wow how can a human see that as a
1: and perspective and you do stop and question yourself right because that's the good thing i mean the, the thing about us is we're like hang on a second is it just me being deluded let me just stop and think about this rather than just go don't ask a stupid question i'm going to stop and go is it crow which is what you did right you've gone is it crow
0: well it helps me understand the human's perspective right so if an owner comes along and goes she's withholding that food what does that mean but and and hopefully obviously we're going to work with these people again these women so um, you know we'll get a chance to explain more in depth yeah but for for our listeners um, that is a valid question why are we withholding the food if the dog wants it if the cat wants it why not just give it to them yeah but for a dog, we've got high expectations. We're going to go out into the world, and there's going to be things that they need to have some inhibition for, some self-control. And that was the word I used um, when I was working with her. And the dog has to, has to show some self-control in other areas of life. Otherwise, it's just an animal. Yeah. I want it, I'm having it. Yeah. And so the difference between an animal and a pet is one that's had, and we're going to call it training, but actually it's just someone taking the time to show them an education, which means this is, going to how, this is going to be how you're going to be a better pet.
1: Yeah, how you conform to being a pet dog versus a wild dog. There are certain rules that you have to follow that you wouldn't have to as a wild dog, and a lot of them go against some of the fixed actions, which would be, if there's food there, I'm going to eat it. It
0: also makes it hard work, because we've got to work to get the dog to do something against its normal, natural instinct. Uh, uh, um, yep. to- yeah,
1: absolutely. Jess turns to see what's
0: sparking over there. <laughs> Christy
1: um so (coughs) so it is really interesting so one of the things you were talking about was the fact that actually if you think about the prey drive aspect of a dog or the the thrill of a chase the thrill of achievement and it's the same with people if you know you will always be successful it's really no fun if you play a computer game the fun in a computer game is overcoming the odds and beating the boss guy or getting the right kit and the, the thrill is like the frustration of dying too often in the game because you haven't got the right kit or you haven't worked out the right strategy and then you just do it but if you go online and you look up the cheat you look up the strategy and then you just follow that yeah you'll get past it but you won't get any of that real good feeling and that sense of achievement for having done it so there is a sense of achievement but also there's the dopamine <laughs> Anticipation. Dopamine is anticipation drug.
0: Just distraction you... once again. Why her <laughs>
1: <laughs> We'll just narrate the dogs that come in. There's one over in the far corner <gasps> oh, over there know, as well. A little white thing behind...
0: White
1: thing.
0: <laughs> Crusty type. Um, <laughs> Crusty type. You're, terrible. You're,
1: you're, you're, it's actually cruel to deprive them of the dopamine, right? If you're just Absolutely. giving them stuff. Absolutely. So this
0: is, this is what's happening when I take dogs in for, for residential. Um, I think what people think or what the public think is that you just batter the dogs or you correct them or punish them for these behaviours. Oppress behaviors. them
1: within an inch of their life.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure there are places that do that. But um, what, and of course, the opposite of that is um, just let them be. Yes. Just allow them to do whatever they want to do, and the answer is probably somewhere in the middle. You know, life isn't black and white; it's very grey. Um, and we've got, to, we've got to find what works with the dog, and therefore it's not possible for me to say what normal scale of time is. So this is a great opportunity for us to talk about Atlas. Yep. So Atlas is the, uh Vizlo that's uh, with me this week. He arrived on Sunday, so we're on day four, like full day four with me. And for the first time this morning he approached me. Normally I have to go in and, he's, <laughs> I've got a dog room, which is bigger than a normal crate. And under the stairs, kind of Harry Potter style dog room. Yep. I should call it dog orcs. Has that been taken do you think? It you has. Mean, has totally dog? has. Um, so, and I've got uh, just, a, just storage in there. I've got an uh, airline carrier for a medium sized dog. And I think it's right. not a medium sized dog, he's quite big. And he's been taking himself into this. sort right. like a big cat carrier. And he's like hiding in the cave, right? And wherever yep. he can, he hides under the couch or the table. He's going into the cave. And I'm okay with it. I don't feel sorry for him. Nope. I'm not getting emotional about it. Like, I don't want him to do that, yeah. but I'm not stopping it. Yeah. Allowing him to retreat to what he considers safe. However, there are things that I have to do. Like, I can't have him defecating and urinating in that place. And he's not going to be very happy with that. So I've got a lead on him and a muzzle, and I've been uh, taking that gently. And the first time I had to pull him out. In fact, the first time I had to use a... Pole, people don't like that, the catching yeah. pole. It's awful, right? Yeah. But I have to be able to get him out to the garden and let him have a sniff around the house. If I left him, he'd probably stay in there for three or four days before I hunger got the better and he comes out to investigate. Yeah. But I can speed the process up by going, come out, a bullet ground, go back in, you know, in your time. And so day one and day two is pretty much. You're in, he's in there, he's not, he doesn't want to commit socially and then he starts to get a bit bored because he's had quite an interesting life so then he's like, well what's going on? and normally it happens at night so we've got a pattern of behaviour because I've had hundreds of these yes. cases we have got a normal pattern and, he, and they start to go, the house is quiet I know people are in there, the TV's on so we wander through and they kind of poke their head in the corner and they go, what's happening here? and because I've taken him Forcefully, uh, the first couple of days from his area outside, he knows the route, mm-hmm. and so his natural safe place is to take that route. Right, and he'll go, I'll just creep myself out and have a look outside, uh, and that's normal. And then they start to go, well, What if I just hang around here? Mm. So he stood, I a video of this, just stands and watches. Yeah, I'm okay with it. Yep, right. Now, I've only got a short space of time with this dog, so one of the things that I did do was um, I took his lead and put him on the couch with me because I want to, I've got a shiatsu session on Friday, so I want to see, is, there's bits of him that I'm not sure is not pain related. And it's also worth
1: saying for those that, that don't know, um, normally what you do is you take in um, very aggressive cases. And the owners aren't really particularly involved in it. You, you take it, and then you usually, or very often, look into rehome after you've taken them in, right? Sure. So most of my is cases, different.
0: Most of my cases are, are through yeah. t- for assessment. So, Atlas
1: is a very well settled pet dog with owners who have, for a couple of years, been working to do everything they possibly can. All sorts of different training. They've been really unlucky in some of the advice that they've been given. Um, first nine months of the dog's life he was typical puppy all lovely um and then there were some behaviors started creeping in they have been all over the behaviors there's a really high level of obedience with him so so this dog coming into your house is fairly unusual compared to some of the other dogs you have however what's been really interesting for you is um the the high level of work the owners have done with him has kind of hidden some of the kind of true problems this dog has because they've actually managed it really well if they hadn't done all that work they would have had something that was a lot more like your typical rescue dog so there may be things that you've done with him that you wouldn't have done with a normal aggressive case like have him on the sofa getting used to being touched because you can see that that's one of his big uh, That's his
0: thing has been touched. And, yeah. and also uh, I've had quite a few weasles now. This is where it gets like, controversy and the, the political correctness because he does have a line of um, genetic heritage which is related to 99.9% of the weasles that I've had in this last year. They've yeah. all been male, they've all been the same age, um, you know, sort of 10 months to two years old. One of them was four. Um, so the young dogs come from similar line, different breeders, but similar yeah. line they share ancestry um, and they they have their little oddnesses about them, so touch is a big thing, one yeah. of the most extreme ones was i 've literally got a video of this dog, he, he did go on to be rehomed, but I would touch him outside. He was happy as Larry, and the moment you crossed the threshold, he would go, oh, do touch me. Yeah, and it was literally Jekyll and Hydra go back out inside again. outside differences. Yeah. So weird. And he went to work a working home, yeah, where he was living outside working all day long. I did some gun dog work with him when I had him, and then you know, so, perfect a uh, situation. Um, and then we've got Glenn who has been rehomed recently. So the visa Welfare um, Support Worker uh, has had him to live with her after I had him um, just because he was such a, an extreme case yep. and the unfortunate thing for Atlas's owners is that he was the same age that Atlas started performing the same behaviour yep. but Glenn came to us immediately whereas Atlas has had a wee while of other, yep. other situations and I'm not saying for a moment that the training has been bad um, but it didn't fit with what they were yeah, doing yeah. and then, you know, then they found, um, I don't even like to say balanced training, they found different versions because I'm, I'm not against positive training, all of my, my work is positive, I just, I don't know where I fit into it because no. I, I don't agree with that, any of the extreme or radical, um, you know, pick one side, I yep. don't agree with that, we've got to go with what suits that dog.
1: Well, the, I think the, the key delineation for you is behaviour versus training. So um, if you understand why you're doing what you're doing, then you can adapt it to the individual scenario, right? So each time you bring a dog in, yes, you know there are certain patterns that are replicated in pretty much every dog, but that doesn't mean that you then change the way you work to fit the pattern. You still work with the individual dog, and then you go, aha, I was expecting this to happen, this has started happening now, That's, that's okay, I could predict that, or, hmm, this is unusual, this behaviour doesn't tie in with what I'd expect, what's that about? Maybe it's to do with pain, maybe it's to do with genetics, maybe it's to do with something else.
0: It's, there's such a, a like a lot of things. Like if he was mine, work. um I mean, he's starting to do scent marking already, sexual behaviours, he's not been neutered yet, and out of 60 trainers that they've, they've spoken to and worked with, not a single person has said to them, have you considered neutering? Because when I first started, like 20 years ago, neutering was like, you just do it there has to be a correlation between neutering they're all males that are coming in yeah I know I know <laughs> and this is not just visas I work with a lot of dogs yeah yeah they're all males really and it's, an it's happening a the moment the puberty hits right yep so um, there's definitely a correlation somebody's Somebody's released a study that all the vets have picked up on. The study is about you know neutering early for giant breeds It can have a negative effect, giant breeds take a long time to grow up. Yeah. It's not going to affect your average, medium build dog, it's not going to affect small dogs, because they're skeletally grown up well before that. Um, but we've got all sorts of conflicting advice. I've had a vet say to me, testosterone doesn't affect behaviour, and I, <laughs> I've just hit the... my jaws <laughs> hit the ground and gone, what planet? This is a vet, you know?
1: Anybody who has teenage kids... Like hormones, everybody. But all everybody,
0: everybody, affected by hormones, yeah. not necessarily testosterone.
1: No, I know, that's, but that's the realize. point, though, right? So it's like many people, I'm sure, wish they could neuter <laughs> their teenage boys. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know it, it is, it's like we know what hormones does to our, our kids they change them into beasts and it's not
0: the beyond end all it just makes it a little bit harder and you know it's kind of obvious that when your dog's been fine and suddenly there's a change at puberty that that change yeah
1: where does that come from how does that happen just <laughs> like the magic little fairy come in of like you're an adolescent now Ding! and I'll, I'll change you into a different dog
0: so you've got so many factors, you've got diet, I take, when they come in for residential I take control of everything, right, because yep. so it's clean food, I want to know what's going in, so he's basically living off of um, cheese and mince just now, you know, real food that's got no preservatives, no colours, yep. no sugar, you know, no numbers, um, I want a clean diet, and then want to, that's why I forced him to come on the couch, I picked him up, now the video that I've got, he's free to move at any point, so yes, I forced him sh- to come up, yeah, right. Spazzer! her is busy with dogs today. Little dog. <laughs> I thought I was going to get involved there. The wee, the wee uh, wire haired Daxon ran out and got, got free. Oh dear. <laughs> say. Just to be clear, I don't have any dogs in here today. No. Um, okay, so, yeah, there's, there's also, so the reason I put them on the couch was that, you know, I've got this Shiatsu session with my, I'm, I'm halfway through a degree in Shiatsu and I'm doing, I'm learning the, the physiology, the anatomy, I can see, as you many people have seen from previous videos, uh, what parts to touch to see where pain is, um, muscles, you know, stretching, things like that. so there's bits on him and the way that he has put together that already got red flags for me. Yep. It doesn't mean that's just about pain but it's a one more factor. Right? Yes. There's all these factors to You're
1: doing detective work. I mean it is it's it's a detective, detective investigation for every new dog in the same way as every new client with me it's detective work. It's it's a problem-solving scenario. It's a good it's way to look at it. Yeah. Not an emotional scenario. It's not a kind of you know this is what I think. It's like I, I have to build the puzzle you know we talk often about it's a puzzle piece right ah that explains that you hear things you go ah now I know so I have um an introduction chat with my clients for if they want it a 30 minute just chat on the phone just to see if I can help and and well I can't help but just so they can see if I can help and um you know quite often they'll be like there and then they'll mention something I'm like It's blooming obvious to me now, it's really obvious where this is coming from, and it's not to them, they're like, these probably aren't linked, but I'm like, yeah, yeah, they're linked, it's it's linked, and you're you're doing the same thing, you know, and and there's um, there's a series called House, which is um, Hugh Laurie um, as an American doctor. And so when you first watch the first episode, it's really annoying because his American accent is not good. Um, so it's really hard to get past that. But according to some Americans, it's kind of appropriate for the location it is. Plus, we all know Fry and Laurie, and we see Hugh Laurie as the kind of blackadder bumbling idiot thing. So it takes a bit of getting over, but he's a diagnostician. He runs a diagnostic department in a, a private hospital in America. And he has a team, and they get the people that nobody else knows what's going on with. And his phrase is, everybody lies. So his team go and interview them, and then people only choose to say the things that they think he needs to hear. And then he does all the investigation. they don't mean to lie. They don't mean to lie. It's not not an intentional... It's
0: not even a lie, isn't it to cover up. Sometimes it's a lie, and they don't realise that what they're doing is so that's why the residential is so useful because you're taking the dog out of the situation we've talked about this before is the environment stupid so the environment includes all of the things I've mentioned plus the owner
1: yes and it's hard with the owners because they have their Disney dog they have their puppy and their puppy and they're always thinking about their Disney dog and then they glitch right they're like this isn't my Disney dog oh but it's probably something I've done I'll fix it and then I'll get my Disney dog back again. And, and dogs aren't Disney dogs. At the end of the day, the, the Disney dog is a real rare exception and it is a cumulative. Um, summary: A stereotype. Which stereotypes come from common traits, right? Yep. So you don't get real Disney dogs.
0: And we know now that environment is probably more than fifty percent of what we're going to get. So we can we can beat genetics if you like. So we might have Absolutely. a genetic predisposition, but we can if we if we knew about it, we could take a young puppy and go. I'm going to keep you on track by making sure that every tiny little behaviour that you do that looks upset when you get touched or aggression yep. yep. is suppressed and given an alternate. Um, and we're going to make sure you feel. Really Safe in all the different situations. Yes. So, one of the things that um, I'd like to talk about is the underlying chemistry. I, I think it's fascinating to speak to different trainers, and as I've matured as a trainer, taken 20 years. As I've matured, I've come to appreciate what different trainers bring to the table depending on their, what they cut their teeth on. So my, yes. my first degree was biochemistry. I'm always thinking about the chemistry of the of dog. I can't help. And so when I meet another trainer who isn't, it comes from a different take. Uh, who might be a sort of radical behaviourism, for example. Um, yep. I'm thinking about Skinnerian quadrants. I'm like, wow, that's so weird. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting to have different outlooks on it.
1: Yeah, and, so- and they can kind have of not even considered... It's not even different outlooks, is it? It's like they're, they're working on a small corner of the puzzle and they haven't thought of the whole thing. It's like you know a farm scene where they're doing a tractor and they think they've got the whole farm scene, but actually there's a barn in the background and there's a field next to it, and there's a chicken wandering along. So you've got somebody who's done the chicken piece, and somebody who's done the barn piece, and somebody who's done the tractor piece, and they think they know everything about the puzzle. But it's like, hang on, there's all of this sort of stuff.
0: Yeah, but there's so much to it. So um, when I'm coming in from the the body chemistry perspective, one of the things that I want to achieve is the positive chemistry. So how do I get rid of cortisol? How do I increase dopamine? How do I increase serotonin? How do I increase yep. Um, reinforced behaviours that we know dopamine is going to be in, and yep. we know now that dopamine is reinforced for anticipation. Yes. Not even behaviour, but the things that come before in the behaviour. Just
1: before the behaviour, and the interesting thing about dopamine. And also
0: apprehension.
1: <laughs> Anything that, yeah, I mean it's just, it's a, a anticipation covers like all sorts of things, right? It's a, and it's a drug, it's a, this release of this hit of this is really cool, but the really interesting thing about it is it disappears afterwards. And it disappears lower than it was, so you've got a real motivation to get that anticipation again, mm-hmm. yeah. not the behaviour. if the,
0: if the drug, drug released is for um, doing a behaviour that's not desirable, like curling up in a ball because they don't want to be touched, yep. if that's what releases your dopamine, shit man, you're in
1: trouble, right? Well, because you've not got any good chemi- chemicals to counteract it, so, it's you know, if you've got dopamine released, and then you get serotonin for the behaviour, then you've got another chemical coming in place. If you've got dopamine, and then you've got nothing, you've got a void, then what you're going to feel is the lack of the dopamine. Yes. Yeah. So...
0: Um, Another pattern that happens is that after four to five days we get a huge surge of, uh, well I think it's a surge, of sexual hormones. Yes. Uh, what I see and observe is um, excess licking of genitalia, um, interest in mounting, following dogs around, male and female, yep. and, and it doesn't matter if they're intact or not. So because I've had, this is the other thing that's a little bit different about me. Um, because I've lived with, I mean, we're, we're verging on a thousand dogs now in, in my 20 years, I've lived with, and, and that's a heck of a giant study, and that's a lot of evidence. So if someone comes along and says, well, that's not true, well, actually, I have to, I have to it might not be true why it's happening, but it's, yeah. I've seen it, this is evidence, yeah, yeah. you know, and it is happening over a certain period, you know, it's not initially. There, initially, it seems to be fear period, um, withdrawal, and then it's inquisitive, inquisitive behaviour, uh, exploration, sniffing first, and then we get the sexual outburst. Yep. And it's, it's excessive. Yep. So you've seen it recently on the Jack Russell, we've seen it on the German Shepherd this week. Um, these are just recent ones.
1: Yeah, Jack Russell riding the back of Tristan the Marley. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> while Tristan's just going, give me my frisbee. What's this thing on my back? Give me my frisbee.
0: And it's, it's... not just the one dog, it's, you know, no, no. And the Daxies. Yeah. But the Daxies, because they work as a pack, they're actually related. Um, they don't take a lot of nonsense because they stick up yep. for each other. Or a has got no one to stick up for him except <laughs> me. <laughs> and it's frisbee. And I've just been doing it because I think it's hilarious. <laughs> that this dog that once would have gone, I'm not having this, is now going, I'm so tolerant.
1: <laughs> so there's, there's two different types of stress hormones. There's the adrenaline, um, which is an instant hormone. And if you think about what's happening with adrenaline, that state where your adrenaline is released is a state that gives you the best chance of surviving. It's really critical, so it's, it's getting you ready so you can fight without feeling pain, so you can run away without feeling exhaustion, so you can stay really still, still without kind of getting craps and all that sort of stuff. So adrenaline is designed specifically- There's
0: Strength as well, like mothers lifting cars. From yeah, people's. that's what I mean, the, the fight without <laughs> feeling pain
1: and things like that. So, so adrenaline is specifically designed to increase your survival chances. And it's designed to be released in a hit for a period of time, having adrenaline, having, the ability to run without exhaustion, if you think of the physiology for that, is not good long-term for you. But then you've got cortisol, which is the stress hormone. Now cortisol is a slower-release stress hormone designed for when you're in an environment that's not safe and at any point might need to tip over into the adrenaline-based response. So if you think about the the primitive need for cortisol and what it means, it means you're in a camp and just round the corner are the sabre-toothed tigers. And at any point, you could round the corner and you're gonna need to do that. So we don't want adrenaline in our system all the time because that would be really bad physiologically. We want cortisol so that we can um, adjust things. So cortisol adjusts a few other things such as having babies when you're camped next to a pack of tigers is really stupid. So cortisol inhibits the reproductive system because from a survival perspective, reproduction is the lowest need. Unless you could instantly create a baby, in which case it's like, I'm gonna die, quick, pop out a baby, that is, it's got so no use. So we
0: see that in human studies, so uh, girls that are obese don't tend to have periods. So, and actually
1: the opposite, so anorexia, the minute you're anorexic, you don't tend to have periods. As well. Yeah, so um, extremes of... of extremes, but also um, somebody who's experienced trauma, the physiology, when you look at chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia and all these things, they're all related to your body and your brain thinking you're unsafe all the time. So I'm
0: not safe, I'm releasing cortisol.
1: I'm releasing cortisol constantly, I've got a constant cortisol, which means a whole physiology is adjusted, your metabolism is adjusted, because if you need to run away, you need like basically a can of Red Bull, right? If you need to run away. So your fat is stored around your organs, so your brain can get it really quickly when it needs it. So it metabolizes your food differently, it changes your reproductive system, and Someone
0: that's stressed long term might have weight issues and not be able to lose
1: weight very easily? Uh, yeah, so they will have almost definitely have weight issues and they almost, um, you know, infertility and problems with infertility are often caused by um, high levels of cortisol, but also what's really interesting is some forms of abuse can result in lower levels of cortisol, so it can go the other way as well, but equally. Cortisol is critical at a balanced level for your body to work in balance.
0: And neither of those extremes are healthy long-term for the immune system.
1: They're not, but then neither is um, adrenaline. So it's like a backup plan. So you don't have to be in adrenaline all the time. You have cortisol running in the background. So if you, that's how it works in humans and probably in all species. So if you now apply that to your dogs, who when they're cortisol, when they're now feeling safe, and we've talked a lot over the last couple of weeks about that concept of feeling safe. When you get the dog, out of feeling unsafe, then the cortisol is going to subside and then they're going to get sexy. They're going to start kind of going, I can start thinking about living again. And living means hello. <laughs> that should be the, the title of the podcast, living means hello. <laughs> yeah,
0: we, we had um, one of the... One of my friends has taken on a really seven month old taxi, I think she's a month older now. Um, and she hadn't had a season yet and she had really quite bad skin, so losing a bit of hair, flaky, super stressed, super I yep. can't anybody. Um, Jennifer one of my trainers and, and I both said, Oh, she'll be in season see, see, Susan? She'll be in season soon. Poor Susan. She'll be in season <laughs> soon. <laughs> Um, because it's exactly what you're just saying yeah. and uh,
1: within a week she came to something. <laughs> it, it's, it's mind-blowing to me so as you say we often overlook the physiology and so we can you know my clients might be trying really hard um, to find a medical solution to something but it's you have to think head. about this stuff so <laughs> I have a recent client that I've just said a testimonial from who. Was going for an ADHD test and spent thousands of pounds to try and get that ADHD diagnosis. But if you do the ADHD test, actually, every single thing you answer could be trauma. You know, um, inability to focus, and you know, all of those sort of things that come with being ADHD also come with trauma. And she's just like, hang on a second.
0: Diagnosis itself isn't going to help you with that previously. It, it doesn't, and it
1: stops you looking. Right. So yeah, temporarily temporarily. stops you looking. So very often ADHD medication works really well and really changes things, but doesn't long term change things because your brain's countering all the time and going, Yeah, but we're not safe. So it's a survival mechanism. Survival mechanism. So it's really interesting, and so it's a holistic approach like you're talking about. You have to look at everything. It's not necessarily just pain, but pain it's might be a factor.
0: And, and the fact that it's in your head doesn't mean that you can necessarily fix it yourself.
1: And in fact it means kind of the opposite because you need an outside um, objective yeah, person yeah, yeah. to be able and to... And even the
0: dogs because this is what they're doing to survive. So yep. unless there's a change in something, some, I'm going to say pressure, but it doesn't necessarily mean bad pressure. Yep. It means a pressure that makes them go... I need to do this now so for example for for this guy that I've got um, you know she, she has said that she's used food only by hand but he's still not eating outside and so on um, and people have told me this recently that they've tried but I don't know what, what they're doing if they're feeling guilty and just feeding they will
1: the, 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 everybody like my husband everybody will kind of go yeah but I can't starve it yeah. so it hasn't eaten today so I'm going to just give it some food because it hasn't eaten and it's going to starve if I don't give it some food.
0: And, and that's a really interesting topic for conversation because I saw um, a post yesterday. So there's a lot of things that are taken by, I'm going to say Noah's dog trainer. So people that are well-meaning, love dogs, but aren't necessarily understanding scientific concepts. So one of the scientific concepts is contra freeloading where there's quite a few studies, and I can post some. Um, oh, put them on our um, course actually. Really interesting for our course that we're doing uh, for people who want to be trainers, but learn a little bit more about. This is me plugging. Just <laughs>
1: nodding. Did, there. did we agree that you could plug things on our podcast?
0: <laughs> our podcast. Well, it's about time we started doing things like that. So, counter um, <laughs> reloading has showed that. It's the opposite of free loading. So, free loading is here's for food. Yep. But actually, animals. Uh, so, one of the studies is called like the Eureka moment, where, where the dogs um, are having a, a positive chemical release from working for the food as opposed to having it for free.
1: Yeah, which links us back to that sense of achievement, right? It's, it's like...
0: Yes. Um, it is also, not... Also, the boredom thing. In the lab, what they did with rats was they got them to touch a lever to get a bit of food or just have free food. And, and the problem with being in a lab is that there's nothing else going on. It's very, very sterile. Yes. And, and I mean that in a sort of... Um, Sense of things going on around them—not just cleanliness, but you know, this is all there is. Um, And so it strips it right back, which is great. But that's not really what we can do with dogs. But it's what I can do with dogs. Yes. And so one of the posts that I'd seen recently was, um, "What a shame that dogs uh, could be starved in order to get them to do something." So, for example, clicker training came about, and this is really interesting. Clicker training came about from training dolphins, right? So um, you bring a can of fish, a, a bucket of fish to the pool and you click a, you click a box. Do you think that's why it's click?
1: Because dolphins make a clicking noise? Yeah,
0: that's good. Maybe. That's where I started that. So they click the box and they throw a fish. Yes. And they click the box and throw a fish. And then, so the, the, the dolphin very quickly establishes that click means fish is coming. And they do this every single day and then one day, imaginably four or five days later, they go out with a bucket and they don't click and the dolphin goes, well, how am I going to get this? And frustration builds and the dolphin might move to the side a little bit or come out of the pool a little bit or do something yeah. and then they click. And the dolphin goes, so if I do that behavior again, I'm going to... so that they can shape by yeah, yeah, yeah. Little, little bits, right? So how do you get a dolphin to jump through a hook? Because you can't physically show it and you can't yeah. throw it through. Right? So you, you shape it until it doesn't. But what they did was they starved the dolphins, so the yeah. dolphins go, how do I eat? They yeah. eat? Then they realised the dolphins enjoy working and doing stuff, so that was fine, but initially the research was about starving the animals. Oh, yeah. Unethical. Yes. However, consider, because that's, that's what we can see, right? Contra-freeloading yeah. means uh, the dog is enjoying doing, or the animals enjoying doing something instead of getting for free. Yeah. Um, and so some people have run with it and gone. Well, let's not feed them at all in a bowl, which yep. I agree with. Yep. Um, let's do something interesting with the food because what would they do feral in the wild? Or if they were feral, they'd have to expend energy to get energy yep. rather than just do what your but husband does, which is. You um, obviously
1: understand food. the amount of food that you give your dogs, and you're always you're, you're checking their weight and their health and all these sort of things. So whilst you might not give food in a bowl that doesn't mean they're not getting a daily food allowance, yes. and that's also we need to important. then the
0: ethics when we're dealing with a dog like Atlas, where um, what I want in a short space of time is for him to come out of his negative chemistry and come into positive chemistry. Yep. And if I were to feed him every single day as a bowl of food, yep. it would take me longer, Yes. and he would be in his negative chemistry longer. Yes. So for me, the ethical question is, if I withhold the food and get him to choose to come out looking for it, yep. I'm not really withholding. I'm just getting him to do something
1: different. He's always got food available. The difference is he's just got to make the right choice to get it, right? So you're not withholding food. You're not saying you will not get food all day until I decide. You're saying you get food. It's here. Come get it. And he can choose to not go get it or he can choose to go get the food. So it's not quite the same as withholding food.
0: We should send this podcast to the guy, the reporter guy that was on TV with his Romanian rescue. Yes. So we've dealt with quite a few of these Romanian rescues that will hide behind the couch and not come out. Yeah. And the owners, ultimately, for six months while the dog that's hiding behind the couch, um, and they'll feed them behind the couch. Yeah, and
1: Sophie. Talk.
0: So I come along and say, no, no, and he actually put a picture up recently of a, a bowl of food that he was going to give to I her. saw that, yeah. Like, what a waste, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you're having problems with bonding with the dog and the dog's scared, use your food to encourage behaviour, yes. right? And then the behaviour itself becomes a familiar thing, which becomes safe. The dog goes, I feel safe now, I know what you're doing. Exactly. Rather than, here's some food, I'm going to bring it to you. So we had a case, um, Rob and I, and we both did the same thing. I spent 40 minutes on the phone for free for her, and then Rob went around and charged her, and we did the same thing. Thing. Yep. Don't feed them. Not feed the dog where the couch is. Move the food to the middle of the living room, and then move the food to the kitchen. And within a week, you'll have that dog coming out of that space. Yep. Um, and she tried it for a few days, and then she collapsed because couldn't the dog do wasn't eating, so she yep. couldn't do it. And she ended up giving the dog back to the rescue because she couldn't emotionally bring herself to not feed the dog in that space. So she's effectively feeding the dog in the cave. Yep. And the dog never has to leave the
1: cave. Yep. And this is the thing, right? So... Where's um, the ethics in that, then? That, that's the problem, right? Because we're thinking Disney dog, but we're having If I to,
0: feed it, it will be fine.
1: Yeah, but if we... If love it, it will be fine. But we don't have a Disney dog, so we have to treat it as a dog, and sometimes, it's the rip the bandaid off idea as well, sometimes we need to do something, because we know where it'll get us to. Because what's the alternative? The alternative is a dog goes back to rescue, a dog gets put to sleep a dog bites, so it's our job we're, we're the dog's managers you know?
0: But isn't it interesting that that person would rather not see the dog and put the dog away and pretend everything's fine than just do something that makes them uncomfortable?
1: Yes that, that's, that's... Even though
0: there'd be no harm done to the dog
1: So there's a parallel here, <laughs> it occurs to me there's a parallel here with sports coaches
0: Right So
1: um, a sports coach isn't the best friend of a sports person. And it's well known that for a sports person to be successful, it's not about physical ability. It's about their mindset. You know, the real successful ones always have a sports coach. And I'm, I'm thinking like Tony Robbins is flashing this massive... Um, a championship ring today that he got because he's been a coach for the LA something or others you know and he's like this is my fifth championship that I've won Aren't these amazing guys you know Tony Robbins style Um, but that mindset um, of sometimes I'm going to make you do something that you're not going to like to do because I know it's going to get you to where you want to go So when I was doing um, training for the London Marathon, I was working with a company that was a marathon coaching company and they wrote a schedule for me. And the schedule had one day of intervals, a couple of short runs, one long run, and then cross training and then one day of rest. And I stuck to that schedule for like four months. I did every single day and I hated interval training. Interval training is where you sprint as fast as you can, you rest for like 30 seconds, sprint again, rest for 30 seconds. This is not how my body works. It was horrendous for me, but I did it every time because actually that built my stamina better than any of the short or long runs that I was doing. So I trusted in the coach knowing that this was the best thing for me. So we need to be a coach for our dogs, not a trainer, not kind of an ABCer. We need to know what's best for the dog and sometimes that means doing something that's uncomfortable or that's not good in a long-term basis, but it'll get you to that long-term place. Like, you will get food when you work for it. It's not that you won't get food, it's not that I'm withholding food, but you're gonna have to make some choices and then they can learn through making those choices, that it's kind of fun. They can get the dopamine, they can get the buzz, they can get the sense of achievement, and then you have a dog that's responsive to you. But you have to have the foresight to know, if I do this that I don't like doing, I'm gonna end up with this where we both like it.
0: Yes. So let's just go back a little bit to Atlas. Um, I've got a picture of him today with um, a cool on. Yes, a very uncool. Robe. It's actually Tusi's robe. robe, it's like cherry terry towel and,
1: yeah.
0: uh, I didn't have one that's going to fit. I have ordered one so we'll have a different colour tomorrow but it's, to be honest, just as bad. So <laughs> it's hilarious. Um, I think it's got cherries or something on it, don't know about that. So um, the idea with it is that, first of all, he's in Scotland so he's cold, so there's two yeah. reasons. But the bigger reason is that he's got an issue with being touched and so something on him that's, you know... Creating sensory, yeah, accident, okay. Almost like an autistic dog, which I said I wasn't going to say, because... <laughs> Look at you, <laughs> know.
1: labelling and everything. I
0: know. Um, <laughs> but because I've seen it in Glen, very similar. Don't touch me, don't like him And we've moved through that with And Yes, it took a few months, but we've moved through that, and Glenn can now be touched. So, um, and, and the thing that gives me a lot of hope is that Atlas was fine being touched as a youngster. Yeah. But things changed around about nine, ten months. And... We, I'm sure we can get back to that, yep. but we have a wee bit of work to get to. So when she contacted me, their owner, sorry, contacted me um, and told me about him. I wasn't sure initially who he was. I didn't know. It was just a you know just another contact dog. And, and you know I get visas all the time. So one of the things that we were like, okay, well, where, where does it sit into the yes into the Beasla pattern? Yes. Um, and you know she's done a heck of a lot of management but she's feeling unsafe, and there's the, the owner's side of this, so there's the, the human side and the dog side. It doesn't always mean that when we, I'm trying to avoid using the word fix, but when we get to the dog up to a point where he's you know, behaving as, as normal as he can, yep. it doesn't always work, that suddenly it's finally uh, going back to the, the, the yeah, current yeah. situation. So we've also got to consider the owner's uh, potential. So we call it... Um, change of state or breaking yeah. state yeah. where we're going right, let's take a break from the dog the residential the negative side of, of residential is that sometimes the dog can behave uh, better for the person who's training the dog that would be me than the owners but I, I don't see that if the owners can change along with it and so you've been doing some work uh, with the, the humans Yes. and I don't want to speak about her specifically but I want to speak about how if somebody's got an anxious dog, or, or living with an aggressive dog, how you can help that side. So um, for me, there was the defining moment of he needs his teddy, he needs his teddy, he needs his blanket. Yeah. And so the, the human emotion, the human attachment there. We we're not breaking it, but we we're needing it to bend a little.
1: Yeah, it, it's really hard, especially when you invest invested a lot. Um, and dogs are said, you know, man's best friend. Mm-hmm. They're our constant companions, they give us unconditional love, they're there for us when nobody else can be, and they don't judge us. And if you've got stuff, which most of us have in fairness, that's huge, right? That makes that dog a a real key part of our life story. But the dog doesn't know this. (laughs) The dog is just a dog, right? It's looking to go on walks, and it's looking to get fed, and it's looking... To get all this other stuff but it's not looking to be loved because dogs don't do that level of human emotion you know you're expecting a lot if you're expecting your dog to reciprocate on that so it's one thing you projecting but to expect your dog to deliver in return is asking a heck of a lot from an animal and it can't do that and then what happens is when it doesn't do that You feel that your dog doesn't love you and your dog becomes, I mentioned this the other day, it's like you're in an abusive relationship with your dog, right? You can feel like you're in an abusive relationship. You're trying to people-please the dog, you're trying to do everything, you're doing everything for it and all it does is ignore you or all it does is go up to some other person and says hi, I love you and you feel betrayed and, 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 you know, we're creating that abusive relationship with our dog by not seeing it as a dog by projecting all these human qualities onto it. And then, if you've got stuff, and if your dog's got you through stuff, then you can never, like, not never, but it's really, really hard to shift your mindset, to be kind enough to your dog to see it actually as a dog and not put all these massive expectations on it
0: of that her, it can never kids. meet.
1: It can never meet those, it's not fair on it.
0: So, um we've spoken about breed specific needs so when we we take obviously we've selectively bred dogs artificially for certain traits certain looks certain behaviors Um, and when we take a dog on one of the things that i i believe that we should consider is how do we meet the dog's needs not just what the dog can give for me or to me but what can i give to the dog to make sure it's happy if you want to know about happiness look back at our previous podcasts because we've done a whole section happiness and I keep putting in air quotes yeah we've got
1: air quotes going on massively here
0: <laughs> sorry I'm going to put in the air quotes happiness so, just
1: Jesse's um, air quotes are like single my air quotes are always double
0: but isn't that like quotes for people talking and then
1: just. No. But air quotes are just like double. So we're, we're both sitting <laughs> like, in the middle of Starbucks <laughs> doing bunny ears with our fingers at this point, it's not the which is. Um, thing we've done. It's fine. It's okay. Um, we just probably should keep an eye on time on our podcast and stop doing the bunny ears. Okay, anyway. So, um... <laughs> Wait,
0: we're going to make this a professional one. Aren't we? Oh, right. Sorry. Say that today. Sorry. Uh,
1: we're not allowed to laugh when we're being professional. But well, we're probably not allowed to do bunny ears, that's for sure. So. Um...
0: Lost my train of thought to hear speak specifically. <laughs> so, we're gonna make the dog happy, make, make sure its needs are met. And so, specifically with that, Les, I think she's done a lot of that. I think she's, you know, she, she does a lot of hill walking. She's mm. very, very fit. She's running with him. She's met those needs.
1: Yes. So, as an owner,
0: when you're like, well, I've done this stuff, it's not like he's, he's been abandoned at home eight hours a day while I'm working. You know, she's with him. She's, she, I mean, his training's immense. You can see all the videos of him doing stuff, and um, it's absolutely amazing. That, that was
1: immense it sounded like a mess and a
0: mess no Im- immense immense amount yeah, like I'm of work yes like um, you know a trainer that I've spoken to that I've been working with her recently has said that she's like one of the best clients because you say it she'll do it yeah which is cool right yeah. We don't get sometimes we get people that are like nah, half-hearted yeah but half hearted about it. yeah I don't really want to do that <laughs> yeah they can choose what they like and you know she's done it she's done it she's done it but they're still stuck mm. with this dog how frustrating right? is that yes so as What kind of advice can you give to somebody who's sitting in a similar situation with a dog they feel like they've done a lot with they're still having a relationship
1: issue. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting put on the spot kind of question. <laughs> like, oh man, um, the, and, and unfortunately, the first thing that comes to mind is kind of get over yourself, right? <laughs> so,
0: by the way, for those just joining us for the first time on this podcast, I think we're on fifty-five now or something. Fifty-six. Didn't this was it? Was it fifty-six? Did we introduce it? I was. I was. Yeah, you were away with the
1: fairies. We only have Why five minutes. What's your, What's your point? What's your point? Because I was just about to get to my point.
0: Sorry, I don't know. (laughs) Sorry, Don wrote a book called "We're All Screwed Up and That's Okay." Yeah, because she believes we're all screwed up,
1: and we all have our stuff. And one of the biggest things that we all have stuff about is this kind of god mode sense that we have. That you know, sometimes our sheer existence can make people respond differently to us. That we have all this power over how other people think and feel and we spend our lives in this heightened state of anxiety because they might think this, they might be thinking this, they're gonna think this if I do this, it's going to make this happen, all of this stuff that we do. And the reason I say get over yourself is, you know, if we play devil's advocate for just a moment and say, okay, that's true, you are a god, you have this immense power over what other people think and feel, then you would use your immense power to fix everything. You'd go bippity boppity boo, everything would be resolved and it would be dead easy. So the reason I say get over yourself is it can't be true that you're responsible for everything, but you can't use your great power to fix everything. It's one or the other, and the other is you don't have responsibility for everything. There's lots of random elements. There's lots of uh, your own stuff, their own stuff. Everybody's got their own stuff. There's genetics. There's things have, out of the, our yeah. Control. There's things out of our. So much is out of our control, but the thing that is in our control is. Our core qualities that we've talked about are determination. The amount of determination it takes and the amount of um, compassion it takes to go, I've got this problem and everything I try isn't working and I'm still going to try something else. That's mind-blowing to me. So get over yourself is, okay, stand back and you're not god, you're not responsible for everything and everything's not about you. And if you can see that, which is what you do, you're able to just see the dog without all the messiness of all the emotions and stuff around it, then you can kind of get to that place that you want to be where you have this great companion and you can be in each other's company. So you're not putting all those expectations on just an animal. Asking a lot. And actually, the minute you kind of drop your expectations, you tend to get the animal you want (laughs) because you can just enjoy each other's company. Without being all judgy and stuff. Not sure that's the best way to end. <laughs>
0: <laughs> judgy and stuff.
1: <laughs> get, it, it is. It is. Get over yourself. So um, I was talking to somebody a little while back, and they were saying somebody had said to them that your thoughts aren't real. Stop believing your thoughts. And for them, they were an addict and they were recovering addict. And for them, this was a real moment because they believed everything that was happening in their head was a truth. And it's not, nothing is a truth, it's just your unique perspective. So being able to step back, go, this is the way I feel, I absolutely accept that, but it doesn't mean it's true, then allows you to engage some of the other qualities that you've got, like your determination, etc. And And with Atlas, there's an immense amount, as you say, of determination, of willingness, of, of things to try, and actually part of the shift has to be I'm going to get my dog so his welfare's great and he can live comfortably with us, but I'm still not going to have this amazing Disney dog because they just don't exist. Or if they do, it's like a fluke. It's a random fluke where you happen to have a big fluffy dog that hadn't taken any work, hit adolescence and didn't change, and has just been absolutely brilliant without you having to do anything about it. Not many
0: many of us. No, that's why I mean that's the fluke.
1: It's not the normal, which is what we think we should be. Good point to end our podcast on. Thank you all for listening.